It's been nearly a decade since the state awarded four licenses to operate privately owned casinos with live table games in upstate New York. And now the Empire State is poised to hand out three more licenses, this time for operations in the New York City area. To discuss how these licenses are being doled out, the potential contenders for licenses, and how interested parties are spending big dollars to potentially influence the process, we're joined in the Capitol Press Room by Nick Garber, a political reporter for Cranes New York Business. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. So for starters, where are we in the state's process of collecting casino proposals, uh, reviewing them, and finally making that citing selection? It would be safe to say we're still in the early stages of the process. The process is formally underway. The request for proposals went out at the very start of this year, but no one has applied yet, which is the big thing everyone's waiting for. The reason no one's applied yet is because the state is still preparing answers to these sort of formal questions that they allowed applicants to send in just about sort of the nature of the process and sort of what the state wants to see from them. There's two rounds of those questions that are supposed to happen. Last I heard that the state's gaming commission is still preparing um, answers to the first round of those questions. <laughs> so then the applicants get to ask a second round of questions, depending what if they still have, have outstanding questions. And then it's only a month or two after that maybe a little longer, actually, when the applications would actually roll in. But we do have a pretty good sense of who the contenders are, you know, who wants a casino downstate. Well, I've read in other outlets that the New York State Gaming Commission chair, Brian O'Dwyer, has been quoted saying that we're looking at a process of potentially 18 months to two years. Is that your understanding of things? And if so, does that mean there's any chance of getting a casino award announced in 2023? Or are we looking into 2024? Definitely no award is going to happen this year. I think that's safe to say. I would need to look back at the schedule to see exactly how long you know each step of the process would take. But what I'm hearing is that folks involved in the process on the applicant side now expect that the applications themselves might come down early next year, like first quarter of 2024. They would take months after the applications are sent in for the process to then play out. The state would convene all these various um, sort of committees to review each one. And then um, I think potentially by the end of 2024, there would actually be an award or three awards announced. Well, yeah, in addition to a three-member gaming facility location board, which is going to make recommendations to the state gaming commission, there's also supposed to be these community advisory committees. Is there any understanding that they are already meeting to consider potential proposals, or will they not be triggered until applications are actually filed and they have something formally to review? Yeah, they have not met yet. I don't think any anyone has formed yet. They won't be triggered until, as you said, the applications come in. But yeah, those committees, I think, are a really fascinating aspect of this process that are new for the downstate process. The, the state didn't have these six-person committees um, for the upstate casinos that opened um, earlier this decade. But I think these six-person community committees, um, it'll be composed, within the city at least, of representatives appointed by the governor, the mayor, a local state senator for whoever's district this casino proposal is in, a local assembly member, the borough president, and a city council member, which I think is a real sort of wild card in the process because, um, especially within the city, you know, a lot of folks are quite skeptical of these casinos. Um, and, you know, there's some state senators, local officials who are on record saying, I don't want a casino in my district at all. So it seems distinctly possible that, you know, some casinos are never even going to make it past that that advisory committee vote, which they need to 
win two thirds of that six person committee. So four out of six in order to even be considered for, you know, the final license pick by the state's gaming facility location board. So yeah, it, it very well could be that, you know, these committees could sort of doom a potential proposal, especially within Manhattan, where I think the skepticism is especially high. Well, let's talk then about some of the proposals and people who are interested in these licenses. And I, and I want to start with the players that are already in the gaming space in the New York City area and are looking to evolve into full-fledged operations with live table games. Can you explain those two sites uh, in Queens and Yonkers, respectively? I think there's sort of a conventional wisdom in the in the industry in the state right now that the two front so there's three downstate licenses. Um, and it's sort of widely assumed that two out of those three are going to go to, as you said, these existing racetrack casinos, um, Resource World, which is at the Aqueduct racetrack in Queens, um, and then Empire City, which is in Yonkers, um, which are both, you know, run by very established gaming companies. And I think it's just sort of conventional wisdom that they'll get these licenses because they already have sort of established presences and they know how to run a, a operation but this would obviously allow them to expand quite a bit beyond the sort of basic slot machine setups that they have right now really the big question is who is going to get this one elusive license that nine other applicants it seems like are going to be vying for well yeah you mentioned the idea that this is the conventional wisdom that these two existing operators are front runners for two licenses when you talk to people in this space what is their argument for why they should be considered the front runners? Is it just that they've invested money into this space already, that they have been, for the most part, good partners with their community groups and local leaders, and that they have been generating money for the state? Or, or is it there more to it than that that makes them, as you said, the conventional wisdom front runners? I think it's sort of what you said, um, that they just sort of are established and they are, I guess, a, a less risky bet, so to speak, for the state. But, you know, I think I think the conventional wisdom has been wrong before. And in my most recent article about this, I quoted the chair of the state's gaming commission sounding kind of irked by all this speculation and saying, you know, no matter what you read in the press, nothing is preordained. We're going to evaluate each proposal as it comes. So it could be that the conventional wisdom is wrong. I spoke to State Senator Liz Kruger for my most recent story, who's uh, who represents the East Side of Manhattan. She has several proposals that are going to be in her district, and she's you know on the record basically being opposed to casinos, full stop. But she told me an interesting thing, which was that when she was recently uh, lobbied by the people pushing one of the other bids, the one at Coney Island in Brooklyn, she said the lobbyists for that proposal made the argument that we shouldn't assume that the race racetrack casinos are going to get two out of the three. And that actually it would be sort of a waste to give them the licenses because, you know, there's already people going to casinos there. Why doesn't the state try to capitalize on turning something that's a place that's totally underdeveloped into this, you know, gaming mecca? Why should we, you know, devote more resources towards these places that already have uh, foot traffic? So it, it could be that, you know, we'll have three totally brand new casinos. Well, you mentioned Coney Island and new casinos. So what are some of the other major bidders that are looking to get into this space? Are there any proposals that stand out to you, either because of who's behind them or what they're floating at this point? The Manhattan bids are probably you know, 
going to be the highest profile ones just by nature of, of the places that they're located. Um, one of the big ones is SL Green. So, so, you know, the basic format that these proposals are taking is there's sort of a real estate company that partners with uh, a gaming company often based in Las Vegas, um, where the, you know, the real estate company owns the land and the gaming company would, would take the lead in actually running the casino. So SL Green um, wants to open a casino in the middle of Times Square at 1515 Broadway. Um, they're partnering with Caesars on that. That would obviously be pretty transformative, but it's stirred up some controversy. You know, not everyone in the Broadway community in particular is thrilled by the idea of thousands of casino goers, um, you know, rampaging through the area each night. Bally's up in the Bronx um, wants to open a casino on the former Trump Links golf course. Back in the city, the related company wants to open one on the western half of Hudson Yards, which is still, you know, underdeveloped or undeveloped, but is supposed to be built on at some point. Um, and then the the big one in terms of lobbying spending, at least, is Steve Cohen, the New York Mets owner out in Flushing, wants to build one right next to City Field um, on what's currently a parking lot. But what's interesting about his bid is that um, that parking lot is technically parkland, <laughs> as strange as that sounds. It's considered part of um, Flushing Meadows Corona Park. And so he has this sort of double challenge of not only winning the, the casino license, but he has to get the state to pass a law essentially um, doing what's called alienating that parkland, which basically means saying that, you know, you can build something on this, this parking lot. Um, so that is probably one reason why he has been lobbying really, really intensely more than I think at some points all of the other contenders combined because he has this double challenge of persuading the state to pass this law um, persuading the city to bless that with what's called a home rule message and then finally <laughs> winning over this you know community committee and, and winning over the state and getting the license so yeah it, the proposals really span the city there's one on long island there's stuff up up in the northern suburbs they're all over the place well sticking with steve cohen how much is he spending on lobbying and his the lobbying targeting the state legislature? Is there some way to lobby the gaming commission and this siting location? What, what's their focus been? This company, this entity, New Green Willets, that Steve Cohen started um, to sort of push his casino bid, um, they spent about $800,000 during the first few months of the year and then another $200,000 just in the last two months in um, outside lobbying. And that doesn't even count the, in, the in-house lobbying that they also did um, to, to push their bid. And in terms of who their targets were, yeah, it, it, there's city officials, um, you know, the deputy mayor's office for economic development was a target. Um, Attorney General Tish James, interestingly, was one of their targets. Um, the city's economic development corporation, uh, Queensboro president, you know, just about anyone you could you can imagine um, has, has been on their list. Um, I don't think that they have had to report any direct lobbying to the gaming commission yet. Um, I didn't see that among any of the targets. It could just be um, something that they don't need to report on the state's, you know, the official lobbying filings. But yeah, it could be that we haven't really reached that stage yet. Well, is Steve Cohen and his operation unique or are other players spending money on lobbying at this point as well? Just about every contender has reported explicit um, lobbying on, on casinos. Yeah, but Steve Cohen is unique in the sense of, of just how much money they're spending. You know, it's it's double, triple what a lot of other people are, are spending. And do you have a sense of what these other operators are hoping to get from their lobbying efforts, considering how 
the process hasn't even begun yet and the power to make decisions rests primarily with the gaming commission? Yeah. So I think at this point, a lot of it is honestly sort of informational lobby. You know, you know, we have this idea of lobbying as being maybe underhanded in some way, but, you know, I think often a lobbying meeting just takes the form of, you know, essentially a PowerPoint presentation saying, you know, here's, here's what we want to do. You know, here's some flashy renderings of the building that we want to build, et cetera. Um, that's what some local officials have told me, you know, Manhattan, Manhattan Bro president Mark Levine said that, you know, he's, taking meetings with lobbyists for the casinos and that it's, you know, pretty straightforward stuff. Um, but there is, you know, some, some wooing, some pitching going on for sure. Um, again, Liz Kruger, the Manhattan state Senator told me that um, a lot of these contenders have gone to her with what she called grass tops um, sort of, she called them um, fake newly created grass top groups. So the idea being, you know, as opposed to grassroots, they're sort of um, somewhat artificial, um, entities that these, you know, bidders have come up with saying, you know, look at all the community support we have. Um, but it does seem to me like a lot of this lobbying is being done ahead of those community committee votes, which again, probably won't happen for months, but they got to lay the groundwork somewhere to say, um, you know, here's why you should vote for us or appoint someone who's going to vote for us when this all important vote happens. Well, we've been speaking with Nick Garber. He is a political reporter for Cranes New York Business. Nick, thank you so much for walking us through all of this. I really appreciate your insight and your time. Yeah, for sure, David. Thanks. business agency or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.